Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast and our ongoing series on prayer. Along with me is Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Thank you, Brian. Yeah, doing real well. You know, looking forward to our uh, next in this kind of ongoing series of, of digging it deep, so to speak, into this subject. Yeah, and with us, uh, that's the evangelist Alan Hitchin, who's guiding this series. And Alan, we really appreciate uh, your desire to get the God's word out, the truth out on prayer. I know it's a subject that's near and dear to you. Well, it is. A, it's a vital topic, and we all struggle with it. Some people feel better about it than others, but uh, I've tried to go back to the just the most fundamental things so we can all kind of break down what our particular weaknesses are in prayer. And so uh, I hope our listeners can kind of bear with us as we go through some of these things, because I think before the series is over, you're going to see the value of all of these things, because it's coming really from over 40 years of experience uh, trying to pray myself and also feedback from other people that have brought this series to where it is. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting as Christians, we certainly want to know how to pray. And of course, we know that uh, the disciples of Jesus asked him uh, to help them to pray. And so in the first two episodes, you talked about, you know, how to listen to God and, you know, how to learn to talk to God. Um, and you even noted last week that these two things are the, really the true foundation of a life or prayer. So anything else you want to add to kind of refresh our listeners' memories about what you talked about in the last episode before we get into tonight's content? Yeah, I think that what I wanted to get across is that uh, communication skills are the essence of every relationship. Uh, any good counselor will tell you that the first thing he's going to do when two people come in, they can't get along with each other, is he's going to find out what their communication skills are like. It isn't just the ability to make our needs known to other people. It's also uh, our ability to want to hear their needs. And uh, we don't really have a relationship. Uh, we, we wouldn't consider it a relationship if we had a friend who every time he came by, all he wanted to talk about was himself or all she wanted to talk about was what she needed and and what she wanted and what she thought was important and what he thought this or that and then they never give us a chance to respond because they don't care they don't care about what our needs are or our thoughts are and and that's what strains a relationship and so if it's a marriage or if it's a workplace or if it's a uh, uh, any kind of relationship there has to be good communication skills and that's the point of this series up to this point is just we've got to have good communication skills with God. We've got to learn how to talk and how to listen to God, just like we would have to learn how to talk and listen to our children, how to talk and listen to our spouse, how to talk and listen to our boss. All of these things would fall into the same category. So in some ways, Alan, it sounds like you're saying there's like a direct connection between the way we speak and listen to other people and how we're able to do that or not able to do that or the skills we have or the skills we lack or etc between all of that and how we approach how we pray to god and and, and the skills that we need and attitudes etc is that fair 
think that's a very fair assessment. God is a person and I'm a person. And when he first calls me and I obey the gospel, we're strangers. And we're going to turn from strangers to friends. And of course, God is as near to me as I'll let him. We talked about this last week that draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's the key. I have to learn how to draw near to God. And God has made it very clear there's two ways to draw near to me. The first is to learn how to listen to me. And the second is to learn how to talk to me. Well, if we're selfish and we don't care about his needs, then we're going to use our ability to communicate only to ask God, I need this and I need this. And we need to assess our prayers. Is this all my prayers are? Is my prayer life just, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this? Uh, the other thing is that whatever problems we have with communication with other people, we're going to have those same problems with God. And that's what I'm trying to help us all relate to. If we're struggling with certain things, then we need to appreciate that. Because if our prayers are only reflecting our needs, then we don't have a relationship. God's not in our consciousness yet. God is not someone that we are looking at as a friend or someone that we want to please or to have and, and fulfill his needs. When my prayer actually contains the requests to God that, God that lead me to want to help God, then I've reached a level where we have a, a healthy prayer and a foundation for a lifetime of developing a closer and closer relationship with God. You know, Alan, one of the prayers that I've always appreciated or requested in a prayer was, was Solomon's request in his prayer when God you know, asked Solomon, basically was impressed with his request for wisdom. Uh, he didn't ask God when he became king, you know, the son of David, for riches, for fame, for anything like that, but he understood that there was a real need for wisdom to be able to lead the people. And so sounds like when you talk about, you know, what you were just mentioning as far as this communication with God, that Solomon's love for God and his desire to serve God really came out of this request. It showed in this request that he made to God. I think that that's an excellent point. And it it really caps or summarizes what we've done in the first two lessons. We are trying to help our listeners and ourselves. Uh, every time I teach this subject, I learn a little more. Every time I teach this subject, I get a little better at praying as well. And so, uh, but it's fascinating how pleased God was with Solomon's prayer. And I'd like to let our everyone listening uh, get the same sense as what we're talking about here. So, uh, Jeff, would you please read uh, 1 Kings chapter 3? It's a, it's a long reading, but I think it's important. Verses 10 through 13. Can do. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, and God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, 
so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all of your days. So in this scripture reading, what we're learning is, is that the power that God has to answer our prayers is not going to be based on our ability to express to him our needs. It's going to be based on the realization that God has that we want what he wants for us and that all the blessings he might give to us would be helpful to us. I've always appreciated it. We talked about this verse, I think, last time, where it says, your father knows the things you have need before you ask him. So God already knows that I need wisdom or that I need uh, food or that I need uh, health or that I want the blessings on my children or my family or my friends or the church. Uh, what I'm expressing to him in my prayer is my love, my care, and my concern for him. He already knows me. I don't even need to list to him all the things that I need. He knows what I need. Uh, and so vital prayers, vibrant prayers, healthy prayers, are prayers in which we are expressing to him our desire to do the things that he wants done. And like I said, in a marriage or in a friendship, if you have a friend who is so concerned about you and your needs that he doesn't often ask you for things in return, but then a need arises, you're going to feel just like God did here. Because he didn't ask you for all those things, you've come to respect the person as uh, unselfish and caring and loyal and friendly. And then when a need arises, you're ready to go above and beyond. But if you've got a friend who's just conniving and always asking you for things, and then a need arises, your, your feelings, of course, you're probably still going to help him, but you're not going to have, I, I really like this thing where it says, the speech pleased the Lord. And that's what I want my prayers to be. I want my prayers to be prayers that, that please him, not prayers for selfishness, but prayers for uh, love and devotion. So... <clears throat> Here, here's here's the thing. Here's what we're we're trying to get across. Uh, Brian, would you please read uh, Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen for us, please? And the Lord God said, "It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him." You might think when you first hear this verse, what does this have to do with prayer? But my answer would be, this has everything to do with prayer, because. God didn't just see this. This is how he created us. He created us with two very deep needs that you can't receive alone. And what those deep needs are is we want to admire and love someone, and we want someone to love and admire us. And if we have that, we're going to have a satisfying life. If, if we have someone in our life who loves us, admires us, praises us, and talks to us about how important we are, then we feel very, very uh, comforted and life is so pleasant. And if we turn around and we do that for someone else, then that makes us feel good. And so we fulfill the need, of course, by marrying, having children, maintaining friendships, loving our neighbor as ourselves, 
But as I say, if we raise our children and our children, we, we don't love and admire our children. We don't praise them. We don't raise them up, making them feel good about themselves. And they don't admire and respect and love us. Then it's a very empty relationship. And so parents and children need to admire and love each other. It's just a natural part of life because if we don't have that, then life becomes empty, becomes bleak. You can have millions of dollars. You can have all the time in the world, but if you don't have anyone to share it with, no one to point out that beautiful thing that you've seen or that beautiful thing that you have, no one to admire you, no one to uh, to care about you, and you don't have anybody that you feel that way about, then uh, when you die, there's not going to be anybody that, that even cares. And so these relationships are critical. And, and then, of course, when we apply that to God, it becomes even more important. So, Alan, in many ways, it, it sounds like what you're saying is that our our prayer life, if you will, or, or how we pray or the way we pray, how often we pray, et cetera, just really needs to be an expression of our love for God. Um, and then, of course, from that, by hearing what he is saying to us, you know, in return, we can understand that he loves us. And then we express that back to him in our prayers. And it's almost like a circle. It's all it's all kind of interconnected. Is that is that fair? Yeah, it's an upward climb circle. Uh, it's a circle in which each time you reach the end, you're a little bit higher and a little bit higher. Because the more we show our love to God in our prayers and we show our love to God in our listening to him, and the more that as we listen to him, we hear him saying, I pray, I am so thankful to have you. You're important to me. I am going to give you eternal life. And we have ad admiration on, we, we see this with God and Abraham. Abraham was, God said, you're my friend. And God felt that Abraham was a very special, uh, had a very special relationship with him. And we'll see the same with, uh, with Moses here as, as the lesson uh, proceeds. Yeah, and God created man with these needs that you're talking about uh, to help us fulfill our destiny as his children. And, you know, when you, we, I was thinking about as his creation, of course, you know, God wants us to fill this need to come to him to serve him uh, certainly it, it's very comforting to know that the creator of us and the creator of the universe cares for us and loves us and wants us to pray to him that not only is comforting but it really leads to you know eternal happiness and joy and so because of that is this something that you think that we should be expressing in every prayer well it's Something that Jesus really addressed in the Sermon on the Mount and then in Luke when they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray like John's disciples taught him how to pray? And Jesus starts out with a very fundamental statement that we all need to ponder and consider. So, uh, Jeff, would you like to read Mark, Matthew 6 and verse 9 for us, please? In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name so i'll put this on everyone who's listening what does that mean how what does it mean to hallow god's name 
It's how Jesus wants us to pray. It should be in every prayer, but what exactly is it? What does it mean to hallow the name of God? And of course, the word hallow means to make special, to make holy, or to consecrate, or to set apart, or to put above. And many times people think holy only has to do with with spiritual things, but my wife is holy to me, and I hallow her because she's special to me, and uh, she's the only wife I have or ever will have. And so I'm going to, when I speak her name, it's with praise, it's with love, it's with concern. And so that's the same thing with God. This word reveals the heart of our admiration, our love, our devotion, our respect, our adoration, and it it needs to be expressed. It needs to be spoken. And so Jesus says, when you pray, you make sure that every prayer you set God's name apart with something that shows your admiration, your devotion, your love, and your respect. We're setting his name apart as holy, and it's our expression of a love and awe, of respect and reverence. And uh, one example of this is in Psalms chapter 8 and verse 1. Uh, uh, Brian, could you read that for us, please? O Jehovah, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. So this is one example of hallowing God's name. How excellent is your name? Uh, That's how he started his prayer. And before we can hallow his name, if it's not going to be just empty, then we have to have already shown our respect in hearing his word. And so we go back to our first a discussion, which is before you learn to pray, you have to learn how to hear because the beginning of our relationship with God is fear, awe, reverence, respect. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. In other words, every step we take, we want to hear what God has to say. And when we then turn to God and say, Oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, and we want to glorify and praise you, it's coming from sincere hearts. It's not coming from a heart where those words are just empty flattery. So before we can hallow something, we have to love and respect. We have to have manifested that love and respect. We have to feel this this appreciation to God. Yeah, Alan, I appreciate you going to that detail because, you know, as you were talking, I went to an online Bible site and looked up, you know, Matthew um, 6, 9. And generally speaking, most of the translations, you know, use the word hallow or hallowed. And honestly, at least in the English language here in the United States, you know, we don't use that term typically. So I appreciate you kind of you know, digging in to it and um, expanding on it, you know, for our listeners' benefit. Uh, so in some ways, I think, you know, bottom line, what you're saying is it's a way of revealing to God, you know, the depth of our, and then you can fill in a number of words, our love or devotion or dependence or commitment, you know, setting him apart as special, honoring venerating them, you know, any number of different terms. Is that fair? I think that's very fair. 
it's as I said a few moments ago, it's not good for man to be alone because man needs to be admired, to be loved, and to be respected. And he also needs to admire and to respect and to need others. And when we have both of those, we're a fulfilled person. And But if we just settle for that in human relationships, then it hasn't reached its true purpose. The true purpose of this need uh, to be admired and to admire, it focuses on God. And this is a hole in the heart of every man and every woman. There is a need to do this. And if the hole remains, something will fill it. Uh, Whatever it is that a man replaces with this need to express this love and devotion to God uh, and to have God express a love and devotion for us. I mean, we love to read God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We, We love to read that love has prompted God to give us eternal life. But what that should turn around and do is it it, it create in me the need to praise and honor and glorify him we we need to learn if if i'm dealing with uh some a marriage problem in a home and somebody says we're I, i will ask them how much do you do you tell each other you love each other do you express your feelings to each other every day uh and it 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 needs to be done and it needs to be carefully done so that it doesn't become stale or it doesn't just become empty words. Uh, we need to hallow God's name. And it isn't just saying, as Jesus put it forth there, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yes, that can be done, but that almost becomes an empty uh, phrase unless we really understand uh that hallowing God's name is is much more than just saying a few words. And so when you look at, I I mentioned earlier Solomon, I'd like to look now at Moses. God had a very wonderful relationship with Moses. Uh, I'd like uh, to read a couple of passages here so that we can really appreciate uh, just how special it was. So uh, Jeff, I'll have you read one, and I'll have Brian read one. So, uh, Jeff, Exodus 33, verses uh, 9, 10, and 11. Okay. Although, let me make just a really quick side comment. And honestly, I don't know how many of our listeners may have remembered this, but I remember back in the, oh, it might have been in the 80s and the 90s, where there was, you know, some kind of a movement to bring God more down to our level to include prayers. And I remember, you know, some prayers being offered you know, to the man upstairs or to Big Daddy or, you know, some of these other kinds of terms. And I think as a side comment, I think what you're saying is, no, that's really not honoring, venerating, you know, holding as, you know, holy, uh, the the kind of relationship that we should have with the creator of the universe. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. We are the creator. We are the creature. And he is... As he says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. We need to be careful how we address God. We, I think when we finally meet him and we see how amazingly majestic and powerful and mighty he is, uh, that the greatest awe and reverence and respect that we had on earth will seem to be woefully short. And 
these people who want to bring God down to our level can't be done. He's too great for that to be done. Right. Appreciate that. Okay. So on to Exodus 33, starting with verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the cloud standing at the tabernacle door face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So this is this is what we're striving for. And this is a verse that shows what's possible. Uh, and of course, this can't be literal because God later will tell speaking of emotionally. He's speaking here of mutual respect. Uh, Brian, why don't you read Numbers 12 verses uh, 6 through 8 for us. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. All my house. What does that mean? It means Moses has learned how to listen. Learning how to listen to God, the foundation upon which God was able to build this special relationship with Moses that I think all of us should be striving for. And of course, we're not expecting God to as he did with Moses, but he did. Moses wrote them down, and now he wouldn't say anything different to us. True of Jesus. When Jesus wrote his word, he revealed to us everything relationship on his needs, not on our needs. And again, that's the foundation of all good relationships. It's a relationship in which the friend cares as much or more for the needs of his friend as he does for his own. And when both sides feel like this, we have the beginnings of a tremendous relationship. And, and those of our listeners who have a best friend, and you go back and you just try to figure, well, why is this person my best friend? Well, when you get all finished, you're going to come to the conclusion, this person is my best friend because through the years, they have been just as interested in my needs as their own needs and i have been just as interested in their needs as my own needs and so we've we've built a bond in which we care for each other and we take care of each other and we trust each other and we never let each other down and this isn't something you're going to get in a selfish relationship where one side wants everything and doesn't care what the other side wants and even if the other side even if the person say it's you who wants to everything for the friend once you realize they want nothing in return, they don't want to give you anything. They don't want to even hear what you have to say. That's never going to turn into a real close friendship. But one of the most important things about what we learn from Moses is how he hallows God's name. And throughout the rest of our uh, podcast, we're just going to be reading some of the opening statements of prayers of various men and women in the Old Testament that reflect what Jesus was trying to get across to us. These prayers are going to be uttered by men and women who are devoted to God. They are viewed by God as being his friends. They are viewed by God as being faithful. And their response is very important. So let's start with Moses. Um, Jeff, you want to read Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 24? Okay. O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? So this, is, this would be 
a classic example of Jesus' words, hallowed be your name. He is hallowing God's name here. Uh, I have just barely seen how great you are and how mighty you are. And I think that that's a beautiful thought and a beautiful concept because we would all have to agree because uh, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So every example that we see, the sun, the moon, the stars, the magnificence of the creation, the beauty of a sunset, the beauty of a, of a newborn child born healthy and strong, and uh, we see God's mighty hand in the ten plagues. We see God's mighty hand in raising Jesus from the dead. But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all of that. And so Moses catches this. This is what a man who can pray to God and God say, we have a relationship. He expresses that. Your greatness, your mighty hand. And of course, then he compares it to all the foolish ideas of men regarding idolatry. And he expresses it. There is no one in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds. So this is going to become a pattern. And as we learn to pray, we need to realize that this is part of our prayer. We should not simply start with, I want this, I want this, I want this. We need to start with, hallowed be your name. Uh, the next one we want to look at is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is perplexed about something. God has asked him to do something that he just can't quite understand. But notice how he starts the prayer. So, Brian, could you read uh, Jeremiah 32, verses 17 through 19? Here Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, you are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And so as you ponder that address, you have to draw the conclusion that Jeremiah has truly learned God's character and truly learned to respect and hold him in reverence to a point where it has become so natural and so important to him that he just it just comes out. He starts with, you made heavens and earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. So Jeremiah is expressing his faith, his adoration, his respect, his awe, and his confidence and security because there's nothing too hard for you. Uh, if, if we could simply pray like this sometimes, sometimes our, our anxieties and our concerns about what's going on in this world today can, can almost take our breath away. But if we just lean back and think about the fact that God can do anything, there's nothing too hard for him, and he has promised that he'll take care of us. Now, we may not be able to figure out how he's going to be able to do that anymore. But as Jeremiah points out here in the opening of his prayer, I know there's nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands. You also repay iniquity. In other words, you are just, compassionate, fair God. 
great, mighty, whose name is Jehovah or Lord of hosts, and you're great in counsel and mighty in work, and your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men. I've never started my prayer like this because I don't think I have the same appreciation and the same uh, multifaceted understanding of how great God is and how involved God is in things. But this is something we should all be striving for. And this is a prayer that we should all be trying to, to emulate. And Daniel, he starts the same way. He's now going to pray to God. He, the children of Israel are about to be brought back to Jerusalem. He's been a prophet now for almost 70 years or a little over 70 years. And now he's asking God for forgiveness. But again, how he starts his prayer is interesting. So, uh, Jeff, would you please read uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 4? Okay. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. So, once again, here's a man who truly appreciates the character of God. And in hallowing his name, First of all, he calls him great and awesome, but then he moves on to one of the most precious elements of God's relationship with man, and that is his covenant and his mercy, which is directed toward those who love him and those who keep his commandments. So even in Daniel's opening discussion here, he covers what we covered in the last two weeks. He is expressing to God his love and devotion, but he is also expressing to God the need to keep his and to love him. And so my prayers should be reflecting that. And Daniel's prayers are certainly reflecting that. Uh, David basically does almost exactly the same thing. This is a much longer opening, but I think that once again, it manifests the understanding the best friend relationship that we've been talking about these these people that we we spend time with we get to know them when we talk to them we can express their needs because we know what their needs are we can express their strengths because we know what their strengths are and that's how david approaches and again this is not a prayer specifically for god to give me this this and this this is a prayer for expressing to God how much we love and devote and devoted to him and there's a place and a time for that uh Brian would you like to read first chronicles uh chapter 29 verses 10 through 13 therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly and David said blessed are you Lord God of Israel our father forever and ever yours O Lord is the greatness the power and the glory the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. This is a classic example of hallowing God's name. And of course, that's where he finally ends up in, in verse 13. We praise your glorious name. 
And maybe that's a good synonym. Instead of just hallowing God's name, we praise God's name. We set it apart in our hearts as special, as precious, as powerful, as mighty, as majestic. And David captures all of this. Uh, He starts out praising God. Blessed are you. You are such a wonderful creator. He's expressing his love and devotion. And I suspect that God is as happy with a prayer like this as he is with Solomon's prayer. Instead of just somebody who doesn't know God at all, using prayer as an opportunity to create some kind of a wish list for the creator, uh, that's, that's not going to rise much higher than our ceiling. But when we start our prayer with, Blessed are you, Lord God of hosts, our Father, forever and ever. Now, that would be enough to hallow God's name, and and if we started our prayer like that, it would be a pleasant prayer, but he just keeps going. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. You see, he just puts synonym after synonym here, in which he is uh, getting uh, the point across that God has power, glory, victory, majesty, and that everything in the heaven and earth is yours. Uh, God created it all. The beauty of the mountains, the beauty of the seas, the beauty of the stars and the sun and the moon, the beauty of springtime and the beauty of fall and the harvest. Everything is God's. and But he's given it into our hands. And David's just expressing to God a great love and concern. And, and this is where my listening to God and my talking to God comes to this amazing and important point, which is I'm going to express to my God my admiration and my love, and it's going to fulfill one of my most fundamental needs. And so David just keeps going. Riches are from you, honor are from you. You reign over all. Your hand has power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. See, these are things that where, as Jesus points out, God knows what we need. We don't need to ask him for power and might. He knows whether we need it or not. We don't need to ask him for riches and honor. If he chooses to give them to us, then we'll be pleased. But our relationship isn't based on that. We don't really care. We love God. We're devoted to God. He doesn't have to give us things in order to cement the relationship. It's just the opposite. Our love for God is based on his greatness and his ability to know what we need. And sometimes that's enough. Father, please, I don't even know what to ask for. You know what I need. I'm not greedy. I'm not uh, proud or arrogant. I'm not demanding. You are my God and I trust you. And so, uh, so that's basically how he starts his prayer. And then, as, as I said, in verse 13, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And so we could go on and on. These are just a few of the ways uh, that men can hallow God's name and women can hallow God's name. Uh, so this is something that uh, we, we really need to appreciate, even in the New Testament. Uh, we see a couple of prayers here in Acts one twenty four, O Lord, who knows the hearts of all men. So that's how they hallowed God's name. Show of these two, the one you've chosen. Or here's another one, O Lord, that you did make the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. So this is a way to hallow God's name. It doesn't have to be a paragraph. It can just be a simple statement. Uh, but to simply open every prayer the same way would would not really be completing what the Lord is asking for here.
Right, and it becomes sort of like you know a pre-recorded uh, you know message, or you're in in a rut, you know, so to speak. You know, in some ways, what we're talking about here it reminds me to a degree of what's recorded over in uh, Psalms 103, uh, and having that kind of awareness or being sensitive to all the wonderful things God has given to us. Would you care to comment on that? Sure. Yeah. But before I do, Jeff, why don't you read that verse for us? That's that again, as you pointed out, it's in Psalms 103, verses one through five. Okay, sure. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So here is clearly an individual who has developed a close relationship with God through the years of talking, listening, obeying, fulfilling, expressing love, expressing care, expressing concern. And now he sums this up and the Holy Spirit stamps it with divine inspiration that bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me, bless his holy name. Now, I don't know how to even express that. It's just an emotional feeling that people have when they pray. They they are so grateful to God. He is such a divine, great, majestic, caring, loving, compassionate. There's just, as this all comes together in our hearts, it just kind of bubbles up and out. Same thing in verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget any of his benefits. Forget not all of his benefits. So uh, this is a danger. Everything that we have, God has already given to us. And if we start taking all that for granted and then start making demands or requests, we're simply reflecting to God uh, that he wa- we want him to be our friend, but we are really not too interested in appreciating or thanking or praising or honoring him so that we could be his friend. And then verse 3, forgives all our iniquities, heals all our diseases, redeems our life from destruction, crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy. Now, these things need to be expressed. Because if they're not expressed, they're going to be forgotten. These are not things that we can afford to just let pass out of our mind. These are important elements that should permeate, really, the whole prayer. But we start with this simply to express the emotions we feel. And then as we continue to pray, those emotions continue to be a part of the prayer. And so every time we're praying to God and we're asking God for the things that we need, those things that we need reflect the love and devotion we have to God. For example, if my prayer is filled with, I start with my need for forgiveness of sins. I start with my need to become wiser in helping other people, uh, finding the lost and converting them, helping God to uh, take care of other people's needs, praying to God to, to bless people who are sick, to bless people who are hurting or traveling and need a safe journey home. As God sees a prayer like that, he sees that this is an avenue that we have to ask him to do the things 
that he wants to be done and that he knows there's a need of, but now we've he's got a servant who is expressing that to him. And so the more we remember and extol God for all of these amazing things that he does for us, the closer we're going to be to him and the more devoted our prayers are going to be. And as Jeff mentioned earlier, it's kind of like a circle. and We just get higher and higher and higher. The more we listen to God, the more our prayers breathe the sincerity, the love and devotion. The more our prayers are breathing that love and emotion and devotion, we are wanting to listen even more and becoming more devout and more godly and, and our prayers become even more uh, devoted. And, and it's just a wonderful upward upward spiral. Yeah, it sounds like we need to be cultivating an awareness of God's great and awesome power uh, and all the blessings uh, that he's given us if we want to become skillful at hallowing his name. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. These, these can't just be words. I'm going to open my prayer. Father, you are so great. But it's flattery. It doesn't mean anything. It's like telling your wife you love her when you don't, and she knows you don't, and it's just empty words. Uh, by our actions and by our, and, and of course God's different because he knows every inch of us. He knows everything in our hearts. He knows our motivations and our, the reasons why we're asking and our weaknesses and strengths. And so uh, it only takes just a few moments at the beginning of each prayer to cultivate this ability to keep in mind God's great and awesome power. I, I never forget the passage in Romans that says <clears throat> that the process by which people become uh, less and less devoted to God occurs when we don't give God thanks. We don't glorify his name and we don't give God thanks. And of course, when that occurs, we are set up for some very dangerous things to happen. I'm looking up a verse here right now in Romans chapter 1 that I'd like to read to everyone. Yeah, verse 21 of Romans chapter 1. They knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. I monitor this very carefully. I make sure as I'm praying to God and as I'm living my life that I never stop glorifying him as God. And when the prayers start to become too selfish, too self-centered, it's time to take a step back and remember we need to hallow his name. We need to praise him, to honor him. We need to, uh, to thank him. And so this is all a part of that. And uh, David expresses this in Psalms chapter 8, uh, verses 3 and 4. Uh, Jeff, you want to read that, please? Sure. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? So when we are thinking about God, and about the creation, and about his hand. In other words, we have a song in our songbook, he speaks to me everywhere. This is something he made, he gave it to me. We can't see a beautiful flower or, a, or a, an amazing sunset 
when we see the heavens, when we see the moon, the stars, we we recognize our own smallness and we we recognize our own uh, humility. And Psalms 19 does the same thing. Brian, you want to read Psalms 19, 1 and 2? Yes, here it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. So, once again, what are we cultivating here? When we, when we get up in the morning, we see a beautiful day. We see the, the beautiful blue sky. We, we smell the smells and, and enjoy the beauty of all the things that are around us. And God is talking to us. Uh, you remember when Paul was talking to the people in Athens and he said he didn't leave himself without witness in that he gave you fruitful seasons and gladness of heart. And if we can't transfer that and relate to that, then our communication skills with God are going to be limited and our ability to admire and show him our great care and concern is going to be limited. So um, let's look at, at one more passage and then we'll kind of summarize some things and then we'll finish up the podcast for for this evening. Um, Jeff, well, actually, I think it was Brian. Brian, would you like to read Psalms 145 verses uh, 1 through 7? I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works. Men will speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. I hope that everyone who is listening to these words is feeling their heart resonate. When Paul talks about how we sing, he says we need to sing and make melody in our heart. In other words, my heart is resonating. When I sing of God's glory, I feel it. When I sing of God's praise, I mean it. It's coming from deep within me. They aren't just words coming out of the mouth. And so when this psalmist says, I will extol you, I will speak highly of you, I will bless your name, that's hallowing God's name. And he says, I'm going to do it forever and ever, every day. Bless you. <clears throat> Praise your name forever and ever. Now, does that mean anything to us? Is this a foreign language to us? Is this part of our prayers? Is it part of our consciousness? Uh, as I said in the first lesson and in the second lesson, if we don't know how to listen to God and we don't know how to draw near to God by, by hearing his word and trusting him and talking with him and developing this close relationship, then these are just going to be words on a page. But when we reach the point where these words are not just words on a page, they're emotions in the heart. They're thoughts in the heart. They're directives in the heart. They're convictions. And so when we say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, they're not just words. They're coming out of the heart. And just those words themselves create meaning and create a resonate, resonating, an emotion, and intellectual assent. Your greatness is unsearchable. And 
God's awesome acts. And, and so on and on we could go. Um, I think Jeff will probably mention at the end that there's some references or resources that are going to be open. But I have a list here of different prayers, and they all start amazingly. Uh, we have Moses' prayer. We have Hannah's prayer, David's prayer, Solomon's prayer, Jehoshaphat's prayer, Ezra's, Nehemiah's, Isaiah's, uh, Daniel's. All of these are recorded in the scriptures. And they are there for our learning, for our admonition, for us to understand and for us to take into our hearts. And so I, I really hope this podcast has helped to maybe gel the first two and help us understand that the first two were just the foundation. Now we're getting into the real heart of prayer. But without the emotions of the foundation, these are just empty words. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians who are praying to God will never get to this level because they aren't thinking about God's word and doing God's word and talking to God and developing this kind of a special relationship, offering up prayers like Solomon for things that we know God wants us to do, to do and what God needs. Alan, well, thank you for those great thoughts. You know, when we were talking earlier about what's called, you know, often the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. Unfortunately, as you know, the Catholics and, and others feel like that we should be reciting those exact words. And of course, that's not what Jesus was teaching, much like he wasn't saying to say, hallowed be your name, right? As you pointed out, and I really appreciate you emphasizing its understanding and respecting and showing reverence and awe for our great God and really always making that the foundation of that our prayer is built on, right? So I appreciate those thoughts. Yeah, and Brian, the only thing that, that I might add for whatever it's worth, in some ways, at least in my mind, it, it kind of boils down to taking someone for granted. I mean, you know, as, as children, we, we sometimes, you know, take our parents for granted. Uh, until you know something catastrophic happens and we lose them, perhaps, or you know we take a spouse for granted, or we take our job for granted, or we take you know any number of different things for granted, and it becomes kind of a you know casual, superficial sort of a relationship until we need something, <laughs> um, and like you know the point that Alan you've been making, it's like if if we're approaching that with some people, better be careful that we don't approach it the same way with God, where we just sort of like, you know, take, take him for granted. He's always there. Okay, whatever. No big deal. Oh, wait a minute. I'm having a health issue, having financial issue, having emotional issues. Okay. Gimme, gimme, gimme. So yeah, in, in some ways, it's just kind of coming back to, we do not want to take him for granted. No, we do not. Because that's the first step. Like, like I said, in Romans chapter one, they did not glorify him as God. They did not give thanks. And their futile or their senseless heart was darkened. And that's exactly what happens. You're, you're making a very, very powerful point there. When people stop glorifying him as God and start taking him for granted and all of his gifts are just, I should, I should have these things. Then when the waters start to flood around us, uh, we don't have any basis to communicate with God because we haven't been listening to him. And now we are that selfish person. Yeah, and before, uh, Jeff, before we let Alan kind of give us a preview of the next episode, 
Wondering if you could point our listeners to our website. Uh, I was thinking specifically of our Christian living section where Alan has written a guide on prayer where a lot of the points that he made tonight in the first couple of podcasts can be found. Yeah, good point. And I'd be glad to. So there is a section under the topics menu, a topics menu item under P for prayer that has a, a variety of different kinds of articles, you know, uh, on prayer. But as Brian's pointing out, under the lessons menu item, under the Christian living uh, sub item, and then under that, uh, there is a further sub item called prayer. Uh, it is indeed a very, uh, I'll say, extensive uh, series of lessons. In fact, I think from a uh, from a sermon series back in roughly 2017 with six different sermons, you know, all the lessons compiled together as a single file, you know, PDF uh, that you can, you know, kind of download and, and research uh, on your own, uh, especially to include digging into some of the verses, some of the examples of prayer that uh, Alan was alluding to for uh, even further research on this very important subject. Excellent. Yeah, that's such a handy guide. It's free. It's in PDF format. So certainly encourage the listeners to go and, and download that. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, Jeff, listen to the accompanying audio uh, if you'd like. So, Alan, uh, what are we going to talk about in our next episode as it relates to prayer? Yeah, the next episode is going to deal with something that Paul asked from us and we want to explore. And that is, in everything, give thanks. And so we're going to talk about thanksgiving, uh, praying with all prayer and thanksgiving. So God wants us to be grateful and gratitude, as Jeff alluded to just a few moments ago, without gratitude, we become a people who just take things for granted. We do not have that devoted relationship with God because everything we have, why give thanks for it? And so that's where we're going to go next week. That sounds great. Uh, certainly appreciate that. And we encourage our listeners to come back next week for the next installment in this series on prayer. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org, where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at BibleQuestions.org.